and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. A whole series of observations this week, little snippets, details, things that I've seen, um, I suppose in a way, to put to you as questions, little kind of think pieces, I suppose, really. The first one was a tweet that I saw. Yes, we are still on Twitter. Uh, anyway, it's a tweet that came from the uh, Gordon Parks Foundation. And the tweet said this. A tribute to Gordon Parks by Annie Leibovitz on the cover of American Vogue. An image of Jennifer Lopez inspired by Parks's photographs of the legendary performer Eartha Kitt created for Life magazine in 1952. Now, if you go online, have a look at uh, G. Parks Found if you're on Twitter and you'll see the images. What it made me think about was, really? The photographs uh, basically were, were two people, two singers, actresses, um, hanging from the bough of a tree. Uh, Eartha Kitt is wearing shorts and a shirt, and um, Jennifer Lopez is wearing a, a sort of a big red gown with a, a massive red flower on the front of it. The Jennifer Lopez picture is in colour with a very sort of verdant green background and the Eartha Kitt picture is in black and white where the uh, actual trunk of the tree is kind of more central to the photograph. I gotta say, from a personal perspective, they're both fine pictures. Neither of them are anything special. But can we really claim that a photograph of somebody hanging from a tree is inspired by a previous photograph of somebody hanging from a tree. I'm not casting shade here on Gordon Park's work, obviously not, or the foundation, or on Annie Leibovitz's photograph. But by just looking at two photographs of someone hanging from a tree, how do we know? How can we make the assumption? How can we claim that they are inspired, that they are related in some way. Surely a person hanging from a tree is a person hanging from a tree. Over to you and see what you think. The second observation was uh, also on Twitter. It was also a tweet that somebody had uh, written that I thought was worth kind of talking about and uh, reflecting upon. Uh, The tweet said this, very excited to be writing, or it actually says, very excited to be the writing of the new MA photography. Uh, Question for folks working in the photography world, or who want to be, what would be on your wish list for what gets taught? I was instantly confused. How can somebody be writing an MA in photography at a university and not know what that MA should include? and not have some kind of an understanding as what a photographer or anybody would want from that. I highly respect the person who uh, wrote the tweet. Uh, They're an academic, they're a historian, they're a theorist, as far as I can see. Their background is not as a photographer. As far as I'm aware, they've never worked as a photographer. And yet, they are creating an academic environment for photographers. Or are they not? Are they creating an academic environment for academics and historians and theorists? Which I think is very, very different. 
And I say that as somebody not only involved in academia and teaching photography, but somebody who is actually currently writing an MA in photography. I haven't felt the need to go onto Twitter and ask people, what do you want from this? What I've been able to do, because I've lived it, I know what the reality is. I think, I believe, I know what people would want to know. I've been able to put together a framework and say to people, are you interested in this? Not, tell me what I should do. I think that's a problem within a lot of academic institutions. The idea that photography is being taught by people who are not photographers or are teaching things that they are not experts in. I don't want to learn French from somebody who isn't a speaker of French. And even better for me would be learning from a French person whose French was their first language, because then I would understand the nuances the complicated areas around language, the semantics of the language, the culture, the context of the language. I'm not going to learn that from somebody who's never spoken the language. This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what photography means to them in under five minutes, Max Majchowski, who's a British photographer based in London. His projects, which centre on themes of community and connection, have been exhibited widely in places such as Paris Photo Fair, Photo London, Peckham 24 and the Taylor Wessing Photographic Portrait Prize. Majchowski received the Photo London Nikon Emerging Photographer Award in 2022 for his solo exhibition of Land Loss at Somerset House London. He's been recognised also by the Palm Photo Prize, uh, twice a finalist and once as the recipient of the People's Choice Award. He has had consecutive winning images in the British Journal of Photography's Portrait of Britain, been awarded a Lens Cultures Emerging Talent Award and featured in the Creative Review Photography Annual in 2018 and 2020. He has been featured in and commissioned by a wide variety of publications and clients, including The Guardian, The New York Times, It's Nice That, and The Financial Times. Okay, so what does photography mean to me? Uh, It's obviously a very broad uh, question and difficult to answer in 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 a five minute time frame but i can certainly share a few ideas about it i mean the first thing is that i'm thinking about it every uh, single day so naturally it's it's important to me you know it re- and it does really mean a lot I'm sure any photographer would would agree that their relationship to the medium is is often very complicated and I'm sure quite trying at times, but that ultimately, you know, it's, it's a very dear and and important one. You know, for me, the meaning often shifts and moves. So through, uh, you know, this opportunity here, it's, it's quite nice to, uh, just, just reflect on my experience with it so far and just to see where I'm at with it right now. But since I picked up a camera, which was around eight years ago, uh, my life has changed a lot um, because of it. You know, it's really opened me up to new experiences. 
and to new people and just to like new ways of engaging. And it just continues to be a huge source of inspiration for me. And right now I'm fortunate enough to be able to work full time as a photographer, which is a real blessing. And I'm, I'm truly very grateful for it. And this has really given me like a lot of freedom in my life and has allowed me to kind of prioritize curiosity and, uh, and creativity, which, which is obviously a great thing. Of course, like with photography being my only source of income, there comes a certain amount of pressure. And this is something that I'm continually trying to navigate. And um, it can often be very fiddly and, and, and difficult. And it means that I'm just always trying to find like a delicate balance between art and what is ultimately uh, business. And there are naturally a lot of conflicts um, between these two things. But I think, you know, to try and find that sweet spot uh, between them is, is, is a challenge that I, I do ultimately enjoy. And I really see it as two sides of the same coin. You know, I understand that if I want the time and freedom to think about art every day, then I have to put time into thinking about the business side of things. And uh, that's just that's just part of the deal, you know. But I initially came to photography at about 25 years old after initially focusing all of my attention on on making music. Um, so it's really exciting to have like discovered this new uh, creative outlet. And a friend of mine introduced me to it. And I remember we both got these like cheap cameras and we had the idea to break into an abandoned building, uh, which was on the edge of town and just to take pictures of, of the dilapidated interiors. And I remember it was this huge building. It was an old mental assignment, uh, asylum and it had been falling apart for years and it was really a beautiful place. I'm sure you can imagine as, as a couple of young lads with a bit of a mischievous side, um, it was obviously really exciting, the idea of kind of getting into it and, and exploring it. And of course, like the pictures were not great at all, but, but the experience really was. And it just made me realize that the camera was, was an amazing tool and an excuse almost just to engage with the world in a way that was just not available to me before. And it was really this initial idea that just totally got me hooked on it. And my photography has obviously changed a lot since then, but this basic idea, I think, is somehow always there. That curiosity actually led me to start photographing people. I think really just through through the excitement of wanting to peer into somebody else's life somehow, you know, to learn something about them. I, I began making portraits of really everyone around me, the people who were living on my street, people in the park, just anyone really like in my local area. I just became interested in what the camera could reveal about a person and how it created a very immediate connection uh, between myself and, and the person I was photographing. Uh, it's just a way for me to consider other people's experiences as well as to, to reflect on my own. And I think through that, it often led me within my project work to, to think a lot about, about community and ultimately how like pe people and cultures and even our environments have a huge influence on our ideas of who we are. 
And that just felt, you know, that felt huge to me as, as a sort of thing to explore. And I think through that, you know, the camera really became a tool for me just to consider uh, connections, you know, relationships between people and place. When I feel like I'm just starting to figure it out, I realize that I really it feels suddenly like I don't know what I'm doing. And there's this whole other thing to learn and this whole other thing to explore. Thank you very much uh, for your contribution this week, Max. Slightly over the five minutes, but we'll let you all get away with that. If you're not aware of Max's work and want to check him out, uh, the spelling of his surname is M-I-E-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. Returning to the world of Twitter, I saw a tweet the other day uh, from friend of the show, uh, Jim Mortram, great photographer, somebody else you should be uh, looking at, I think, particularly his project Small Town Inertia. Anyway, um, Jim uh, has been putting about an idea that a lot of people seem to be picking up on, which is that... He's considering having a live uh, Friday night show, a photography show, which acts like a radio show. So rather than like with a podcast that's recorded, something you can actually, um, I suppose, get involved with, engage with in real time. Doesn't that sound like a strange and old-fashioned concept? But I think a really good one. Anyway, so it made me think, well... Photography on the television, on the radio. Does it work and why don't we have it? There have been some great TV series in the past uh, focused on photography. They've primarily been about a kind of a history of photography, trying to take us through and explaining to people who don't know and aren't engaged with photography where photography started, where it's been, and I suppose where it is at the present. Very few of them seem to be dealing with the idea of where it's going. And by doing that kind of historical thing, it does put a certain weight on the depth of that historical um, instigation, that kind of investigation. How far are they going into it? Or is it a little bit kind of dumbed down for a mass market? Apart from that, obviously, there has been a few kind of uh, short films or uh, programs around specific photographers. Invariably, people like Robert Frank or William Klein with a huge background behind them. And I suppose also there's a historical kind of narrative that, that kind of comes up in those as well, because the person presenting the program is introducing a lot of people who don't know that work and don't know that photographer. So what's missing, I think, is this actual engagement and what's happening now stripping out that historical context and just focusing on how people are working with photography and what kind of photography is currently being produced. It seems to me that the television executives aren't really interested in photography, which is bizarre and strange when it is the principal uh, visual language globally uh, that we are dealing with today. Everything we buy comes from a photographic choice if we buy online. Who we vote for is based on photographs, the food we eat, the films we go to see, how we dress, the cars that we buy. The photographic image is all-powerful, and yet the broadcast medium seem to be ignoring it. I don't really know what the reason for that is. They seem to be very keen on decorating your house and... Uh, 
making food, cookery programs and so forth, and then what photographic programs have been out recently, have all turned it into a competition, as if we can only engage with the arts if it's a competitive environment. Very strange in itself. Well, I said, you know, does it work? Obviously, photography works on television, but does it work on radio when you can't actually see the image? I occasionally do some uh, radio for BBC local radio, and we talk about photography, I suppose, the bigger picture. We don't talk about specific images. However, whenever I do that program, uh, listeners send their photographs in. They email them in in real time. So I can actually look at that work and then comment on that work. Maybe that's something that uh, Jim will be taking up also. I'm not sure. But I think what I do know about all of this is that the Photographic Podcast is great. I hope you agree. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, particular episode. I think it takes photography into a, a different kind of zone. It takes it away from the forum or the blog or the specific website. I know that a lot of people who listen to this podcast enjoy it not just because of its photographic content, because in a way it doesn't really have a lot. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Jim's doing that, and I'll keep you informed as to uh, how that progresses. Just a, a little quick uh, add-on to the end of this week's episode about social media. Lots of Twitter talk in this particular episode. I am still on Twitter with at UN of Photo. But we are also on Vero as uh, at UN of Photo. And we are also on Mastodon. So look out for UN of Photo there. We're trying out all the different platforms as everybody seems to be getting very excited about the future or the non-future of Twitter and the, the present of Twitter and, and where it's going to go. As I record this episode, the um, figures are coming through for the American midterm elections. And although it looks as if perhaps the Republicans might get control of the House, it does look as if there's a rejection or at least a partial rejection of fake news, uh, divisive commentary, extreme right wing behaviour. I really hope that is the case. If that is the case and Twitter starts to balance out, maybe we can all stay there. If not, we've got some lifeboats ready for us to jump into. So by all means, follow us there if that's the kind of thing you want to do. Anyway, I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode. As I said previously, lots of little bits and pieces going on. And of course, in the future weeks, take care. 